We're in the Closer series, and um, I've been reading and thinking about drawing closer to God, and God typically uh, deals with me uh, in, in, the, um, in the things that I'm not doing well or the things that, that I could improve on. And so sometimes the sermon that comes out is the thing that you end up hearing God saying to me. And so today, uh, I, I, I want to be honest with you. I'm not sure that when we, when we sat down and started outlining this Closer series, this is where I thought we were going to go with it. But uh, it's, become, it's become a part of my thought process here lately and, and drawing close to God. And so we're going to talk about being disciplined this morning. And I know that's not a popular subject in today's culture, but it is a necessary one in the kingdom culture. And so we're going to talk about how to draw close to God uh, through our disciplines and through spiritual disciplines today. And if you started the fast, you have finished a week of fasting in the 21-day fast that we're doing together. So uh, that's an amazing thing. If you're doing it for the first time, you've probably been through all the aches and pains and the back aches and the, and the, and the, and the, and the your body flushing out all the bad stuff. And I'm praying and I, I hope that you've spent some more time uh, with a clear mind focusing on the things of God, praying, reading the Bible, those type of things to draw close to him. So um, you have already started some spiritual disciplines, I hope. And uh, I'm excited about it. We have two more weeks in the fast, and then we're going to have a little um, uh, big game party on the, on the 13th of February. So uh, I'm excited about that. So why don't we stand to our feet in honor of reading the word. And we're going to read today from 1 Timothy Chapter 4, starting in verse 6. So you can find this uh, in your paper Bible. If you brought one, you can find it on the screen. You can also find it in your phone on the Hope Community Church app. So say amen if you're ready. All right, 1 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained in the words of the faith... And of the good doctrine that you have followed, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially the, of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for, for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity until I come. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy. When the council of elders laid their hands on you, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and others. Father, we thank you today, Lord, that, that first of all, you love us and you want to be close to us. 
And God, you've given us a pathway through Jesus to be close to you. And so we pray, Lord, that through your word today, we learn more of how to do that. Of not just having a, a passerby relationship with you, but a real one. So we ask you to do that this morning. Renew our minds as we look into your word together. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Paul was encouraging his protege, Timothy. In the church that Timothy was pastoring, there was some, uh, Paul called them silly myths. Some false teaching that had cropped up in the church. They were uh, forbidding people to eat certain foods. Now, I know that sounds ironic because we're fasting right now. So we're not eating meat and sugar and dairy and caffeine, all that stuff. So I, 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 fi- I know the irony in that statement that, that the church was encouraging. There was a false doctrine encouraging people not to eat certain foods. They were talking about fasting. They were full on saying, you can't be a part of the body of Christ and eat this type of food. They were, they were teaching that as a doctrine. They were also telling people not to get married. That it wasn't a good thing to get married. They were, they were, that doctrine was kind of infiltrating into the church. And Paul was telling Timothy, hey, don't get wrapped up in these silly myths and, and, and false teachings. In the first century church, there was a, a mindset that started to be prevalent, which in the second century would become uh, extremely prevalent throughout the whole, that whole area, and it was called Gnosticism. And it was the idea that anything, that anything physical was evil. Anything that brought you pleasure was evil. So don't eat certain food. Don't get married. Nothing that brought you any type of pleasure on this earth uh, was good. So it was thought to be all evil, and only the spiritual things mattered. So it was starting to take a grip in the church that Timothy was pastoring. And Paul says, hey, don't let it do that. Don't let it do that. You have to train yourself. You have to be disciplined not to let this type of teaching come in. You know, sometimes, sometimes we get the idea that if we just, if we just come to Christ and, and, and we confess our sins and then, we, and, then, and then he saves us and then that's it. That's all we have to do. You know, that's... That's, that's the end of the road. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm saved and, and I'm going to heaven and, that, and that's fine. And, and it would almost be like uh, getting married, talking to your wife on the week of your honeymoon and then never talking to her again. Um, maybe some of you tried that. That doesn't work very well. The fact is, is that the God of all the universe wants to have a relationship with you that is closer than any relationship you experience on the earth. But to do that, he sent Jesus to bridge the gap. We've talked about that. To make it, to make it possible for us to get to God. Jesus paid for your sin and my sin. So that's number one. Then he, said, then he sent the Holy Spirit and he said, I'm I am with you. I'm everywhere. I'm, I'm present in the midst of you. I'm, if you're saved, I'm in you. John 15. If, if we're in him and he is in us, then we can bear much fruit. So, so we talked two weeks ago about 
it's not necessarily a proximity problem, it's a recognition problem. And we talked about how you, uh, like I can sit in the room with my wife or my kids in the room and, and actually be in close proximity to them, but not recognize that they're even in the room, not, not acknowledge them. So part of what we talked about two years ago, acknowledging that he is with us, acknowledging that his presence is with us, comes from being spiritually and physically disciplined in our lives. It would, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like finding out who God is and disciplining myself to be in a relationship with him. So, so let me make sure there's a clarification here. This is not to be saved. This is not, this has nothing to do with, with being saved. This is, I'm going to discipline myself to please the one who saved me. So I'm already saved. But I don't, I don't just want a passing relationship. He just passed by and saved me. I want a real, meaningful, powerful relationship with my creator. And how do I do that? I got to be disciplined. So Paul tells Timothy, hey, listen, when you're leading these people, you're going to hear all kinds of crazy stuff. You're going to hear these, these, these silly things, these don't eat this and don't get married, all these things that are contrary to what God has already said. So he says, you have to train yourself. You have to discipline yourself so that you know that you know what's right from wrong. Now, here's something. Here's something I want to make sure you understand. Living a godly life is not easy or natural. Living a life that glorifies God, what, what we would call a godly life, is not easy or natural. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives a prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. Paul says this, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. He said, this isn't something natural that I just, that, like, if, if you ever been on a baseball team, you just watched the guy show up and he just was better than everybody else. And he didn't even have to practice at it. He's just better. Or, or, or you heard somebody sing and, and you thought, how do they even do that? They don't, they don't even have to practice. They're just so much better. Here's one thing we all have in common. None of us are good at being godly naturally. Nobody here, not me, not anyone else in the building, is naturally godly. It's not something that we're born into. Nobody, nobody at 15 years old just says, oh, I'm as godly as I'm ever going to get. Paul's telling Timothy, the natural thing is for people to be moved towards ungodliness. Think about this. There, Paul had started a church. Timothy is leading the church. Paul the apostle had started the church, Timothy's leading it, and they're already believing false doctrine. They're already believing silly myths, Paul says. He's telling Timothy, you've got to be so careful with this. Because, l- listen to me, the natural tendency is not for us to move towards God, but away from God. That's the natural tendency. So you never have to fight to move away from God. That's not where the battle is. It is never that hard to sin. 
I don't know about you, but it's never that hard for me to sin. Our natural inclination is to do those things. So Paul is telling Timothy, you have to train yourself. You have to be disciplined for godliness. You have to decide today, this is how I'm going to live and this is what I'm going to do about it and this is what I'm going to believe and I'm going to stick to that no matter what my circumstances say. Paul said, this isn't the natural thing to do. It's not easy. Paul didn't tell Timothy that overcoming false teaching would be easy. He didn't. He was indicating that it would be easier for people to latch on to false teaching. So listen, if it was easy back then, they didn't even have the internet. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have TikTok. They didn't have YouTube. They didn't have, they didn't have 50 million people getting on YouTube posting crazy stuff that isn't even true. They didn't have any of that. And it was easy even back then for somebody to walk into the church and go, hey, God doesn't want you to eat that food or you shouldn't get married. Spewing crazy stuff. Now we are bombarded by it day after day, minute after minute. Every time you pick up your phone, something ungodly is trying to move your attention. It's like the silly myth found a home in our pocket. And instead of, instead of getting around a group of people and having them say crazy stuff to us, now we carry it around with us. Now we carry the silly myth with us every day and we read it before we go to bed and we read it when we get up and we, and we check it out driving down the road and it's just this constant infiltrating our minds with craziness that is not godly. So Paul says, train yourself for godliness because it has a benefit for this life and the life to come. Now, that's a, that's a key phrase right there, benefit for this life and the life to come. Because our culture does not see any benefit in being godly now. Our culture preaches, do whatever makes you feel good. And if it doesn't make you feel good, don't do it. Our culture teaches us, well, if you believe it, it must be true. Our culture teaches us, well, if it makes you uncomfortable, it must not be true. That you can make truth whatever you want it to be. And I don't think anybody, anybody within the sound of my voice can argue that our culture is better or improving than it was 50 years ago. Why? Because there is less discipline than there was. There's less discipline. Paul says, train yourself for godliness because it has a benefit today. It has a benefit today. When you go home today and you discipline yourself to read your Bible before you go to bed or to pray before you go to bed or or discipline yourself to show up next Sunday and hear the word and worship together. When you do that, it has benefits in this lifetime. Immediately sometimes it has benefits. Paul's saying, this ain't going to be easy or natural. That's why it's called discipline. If it came natural, you wouldn't have to do anything about it. If it was just like the the person walking out on the baseball field, naturally being able to throw a baseball better than everybody else, that would be different. But that's not the case. Now we have to discipline ourselves for godliness. 
James 4 says this, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? He's saying you're not disciplined. You're in fights and quarrels because why? Because our passions are guiding us, not discipline. You desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. And then he says this, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that is no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James is saying the problem with the church he's writing to is that it has no discipline. He said, you're just doing what comes natural. When you, when you want something, you don't get it, you start fighting. When you really, really want something, you don't get it, you kill people for it. He says, why does all this happen? Because you have undisciplined passion in your life and you're just chasing it. Whatever, you're chasing the dollar, chasing the next thing, chasing the next pleasure. And guess where it leads to? It leads to nowhere good. It has no benefit in this life. So what's James say at the end of that chapter four? He says this. He says, he says, resist the devil, be disciplined. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Resist him and he'll flee from you. Submit yourself therefore to God. That's discipline. So living a godly life is not easy or natural and it requires discipline to do it. Paul wrote to Timothy and he said, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Then he says this, practice these things, verse 15. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them. So that, me, you, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this. For by doing so, you will save both yourselves and your hearers. So he's telling Timothy, let, let, let me say something here. Paul is telling Timothy, if you will discipline your life for godliness, if you will, if you will do the things that God has instructed us to do, if you will humble yourself, draw close to him, if you'll stay in his word, if you'll pray, if you'll do the spiritual disciplines, people will be able to measure the progress in your life. Hmm. I pray to God that I'm farther along than I was five years ago. I pray that I'm farther along than I was five years ago. Not just because I woke up, not because, just because I'm five years older, but because there were some spiritual disciplines I did in my life, like read the Bible and pray to God, have conversations with him throughout the day. Take every thought captive, like Paul says. Paul says, take every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. That's some, not some mystical magic thing that just happens like, oh, man, now the thought went away. No, it's, it's when the thought pops in your head, you go, I refuse to think that way. That's not what the Bible says. But in order to know what the Bible says, you have to read it. It's impossible to take something captive unless you have the tools to take it captive with. 
If I showed up at your house and said, you're under arrest, and I don't have handcuffs or some means of force to, to put you under arrest, but it's not going to mean anything. So you can't take a thought captive unless you have the authority from the word of God and know how to take it captive. It can be a simple thing like you wake up tomorrow and you feel, you feel like you're worthless. Oh, well, what do I do with that? I feel like I'm worthless. No, I take that thought captive because the Bible tells me that I was bought with a price, that I'm not my own. That he paid a price for me in the life of Jesus Christ. Simple verses like John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. Okay, I, that means me. It means, it says that he directs my steps. It says it'll never leave me or forsake me. All these verses start flooding in. When I wake up in the morning and I feel worthless, all these verses start flooding in. And I go, you know what? I'm going to take that thought captive and I'm not thinking it again because I have the authority now from being disciplined in God's word to now take the immediate thought captive. So Paul tells Timothy, train yourself in these things because it has benefits for this present time. You've got to be disciplined to do that. Do you ever wonder... Why sometimes you just float from one negative thought to another, one negative thought to another, one problem to another, one negative thing to another negative thing. It's like something good happens in your life and you're like, well, I don't know. It's probably not going to last. I don't know. It's probably not, you know, I mean, it's going to. You might have never taken a thought captive. The spiritual discipline of teaching yourself how to think. How to not let your mind just wander naturally wherever it wants to go. But conforming it to the word of God, what your creator says about you and the promises that he's made to you. So I'm not saying I don't have those thoughts sometimes. I'm not saying I don't wake up in the morning sometimes and don't feel like, don't feel successful and don't, and, and just think, man, I don't know today. I don't know if today's going to, I don't know if I have what it takes. I don't, I don't know if I can make this happen. It feels like the whole thing's coming down. I've walked through all sorts of things like that, but there's enough Bible in me to look at this face in the mirror and go, you can't keep thinking like that. I might not say take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. But that's what's happening up here. Chris, you can't keep thinking like that because that's not what God thinks about you. That's not how God, that's not the future God has for you. You can't keep thinking like that. Paul says, if you keep doing this, people should be able to measure your progress. People should be able to see you get better. People should be able to see you not... Wrestle with the same thing over and over. We're disciplining ourselves. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. He says, keep doing it. Be persistent. Let me say this. Being undisciplined and flippant about sin does not communicate a desire to be close to God. So here's what typically happens. Can I just be honest with you a second? Here's how it typically happens. We typically start drawing close to God when something bad happens. I just, it's just the way it works. I need him now. Maybe, maybe, maybe 
Maybe there's an illness or maybe there's a uh, financial circumstance or maybe there's a, uh, a family, uh, family thing going on and, and, and all hell's breaking loose. And we'll start drunk. We'll start saying, God, oh, I need you, God. Oh, I need you, God. Oh, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you to fix this. I need you to heal me. I need you to do all these things. I need you. Come on. I need you to show up when I need you to show up. But we never take a t- the time to show him that we actually want to be close to him. So it's actually going like, hey, come on. We're giving him mixed signals. Hey, I want you to fix this, but I don't want to be, I don't want to, I don't want you to be close enough to make where I have to be disciplined. So I kind of want to do my own thing, but I want the benefits from you anyway. Yeah, I've been married like 25 years and um, I can tell you up front that doesn't work. In marriage, hey, baby, I want the benefits, but I don't want to get too close. I don't want to discipline myself in the house. I don't want to, I don't want to pick up after myself. I don't want to work. I don't want to have to be responsible with the kids. I don't want, but I want the benefits. I, 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 I don't want to have to take the, care of the car. I don't, I don't want to have to mow the grass. I don't, I don't want to take care of the house. I don't want to do anything. So I don't want to be responsible with money, but I want the benefits. That relationship won't last. But we consistently treat God that way. Give me what I need in the moment. Give me what I need in the moment. But if you ask me to discipline myself, I can't, you can't ask me to do that. It doesn't, it doesn't feel natural. It's hard. It's hard reading the Bible. It's hard praying. You know, God, you know how ADD I am. I can't, I can't sit around and pray. You notice in all of human history, the discipline that he spells out in the Bible has not really changed. This message of discipline has not changed. It hasn't been added to or taken away. Same discipline. So so I need to let you know this morning that the message hasn't changed, but the people hearing it have. We're just less disciplined people. So... So the closeness to God, God desires to be close to us, but we can't discipline ourselves enough to stay in the relationship. We, we can't say, look, I, I value you enough to read your word. I value you enough to, to, to spend time with you. I value our relationship enough to live like you want me to live. It's the, it's the formula to be closer. Spiritual disciplines, for a fact, move us closer to God. And like I said before, it's just like figuring out how to relate to your spouse or best friend causes you to be closer. There's things that my wife likes that don't come natural to me. They just don't. But because I love her, I end up wanting to do them. So I'm choosing to be disciplined. I'm choosing to move towards Christ. I'm choosing to be in the relationship. I'm choosing to love him. I'm choosing to do this, to be disciplined in my thoughts, my speech, my sexual life, my relationships in order to glorify God and draw closer to him. So what we're doing right now with fasting, fasting is a physical discipline that provides a spiritual opportunity. So, so we say, okay, for three weeks, 
I'm not going to eat meat. I'm not going to drink caffeine. I'm not going to eat sugar. Uh, uh, Basically, I'm going to eat this pretty bland diet for three weeks. And in the middle of those three weeks, denying myself, I'm going to put, I'm going to put Christ at the forefront of my thoughts. I'm going to deny myself things I would typically eat and want, and I'm going to, I'm going to wrestle with my body. I'm going to force it. I'm going to be disciplined. And in that physical training, there's going to be a spiritual benefit because I'm going to turn my mind, because come on, if you can discipline the body, you should be able to discipline your mind. So now I'm going to say, I'm not eating that, and this is what I'm going to do. Paul's telling Timothy, listen, if you're, going to, if you're going to be successful with this, you've got to train yourself for godliness. This is not something that you're just going to fall asleep and wake up in the morning and have. If I'm in control of my body, then I'm in control of my thoughts and actions. So I want to lean into one more thing here. Do you notice the catalyst for Timothy to be disciplined was a problem? Paul wasn't saying, hey, Timothy, you won the lottery. Now you better be disciplined or you're going to lose all your money. No, he was addressing a problem in Timothy's life and saying the solution to the problem in Timothy's life was discipline, was training for godliness. He said, he said here is an opportunity for you to be disciplined in your walk with Christ. So I started thinking about this. If you will take every problem in your life right now, some of you have little problems that aren't that big a deal. Some of you have big giant problems. You don't know how to get, you you don't know how to do, handle them or get out of them. You you don't know what's going to happen. And you start taking that problem. You start saying, this is an opportunity for me to practice discipline in my life. For instance, if you're in a problem right now, you don't know what to do, and you're laying down in your bed, your mind's racing at night, all these negative thoughts, and you're, th- you're thinking, this is it, it's over, I'll never make anything of myself, and it's just gone, my reputation's gone. Just start out right there. Just start out saying, you know what, those things are not true about me. Open up the word of God before you go to bed and find out what God says about you. And then you start to take those thoughts captive because the problem has presented you an opportunity to be disciplined, to take the thought captive. It's presented you an opportunity to become more godly. So we think we've got this twisted idea that blessing makes us more godly. And I'm here to tell you it doesn't. Blessing sometimes makes it more difficult to be disciplined. Blessing sometimes makes it feel like discipline's not necessary. But if you get into trouble, you're going to find out discipline oftentimes is your only way out. Fact of the matter, if I'm overweight, eating less is the way out. Come on, somebody say amen. But you know what pops on our TV? Take a pill, eat whatever you want. Here's another magic thing. Here's another magic drug. They've been feeding us this stuff for 50 years. No, the truth of the matter is eat less calories Then you burn. It's a novel idea, but guess what that takes? Discipline. So I want you to think about the problem you're in right now. Maybe you got a big one, maybe a little one. 
I'm telling you today, discipline, spiritual disciplines are the pathway to hear from God, are the pathway to get an answer from God, are the pathway to see your life turn around, are the pathway for you to advance. Paul tells Timothy, train yourself, discipline yourself, and then other people will be able to gauge your progress. If you want to come up out of the hole you're in, discipline yourself in godliness, teach yourself, train yourself how to think different, how to think more godly, and people around you will be able to say, hey, look, they don't act like the same person. They don't look like the same person. They look more godly. They sound more godly. It seems like their relationship with God has changed. Paul said, you'll be able to measure it. You'll be able to measure people coming up out of the ditch because they learn spiritual discipline. Whatever problem you're facing is providing you with an opportunity to train, practice, and persist. I'm begging you this morning, double down on the discipline that moves you closer to God. He's the only one that can direct your steps and provide a way out. You just don't want his benefit You want him. You want to be closer to him. You want want to have access to him. You, You want to know what he thinks and know what he expects. Discipline yourself to do that. If you ever want to accomplish anything significant, start using every difficulty to practice discipline. And I'm going to leave you this. The band's going to come up. I started thinking about the life of Christ. There's no one on the planet. He was Emmanuel, God with us. He was 100% man, 100% God. Every step he took was an example of how to live the perfect life, how to live a life pleasing to the Father. Every step he took was an example to us. I told you a month ago, It's not what would Jesus do, it's what did he do. He already lived the life. So I started looking at the beginning of his ministry all the way to the end of his ministry. There's no one who's ever walked the planet that has had more significance than Jesus. A poor Jewish boy born in a manger, in a stable, born in a manger, ends up dying and resurrecting, and that message has spread over the whole world. I started thinking about, well, how did it start? How did it end? How does that much significance start? Where does it start? Where does that much significance start at? And you think, man, it must have started with some big deal. It must have started with people getting around them and going, you're the one. No, it didn't. No, it didn't at all. That much significance. Dying on the cross, living a perfect life, dying on the cross, rising again. You know where it started? It started with discipline. The beginning of Jesus' public ministry, right before it happened. The Bible says that the Spirit of God led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. He fasted and prayed for 40 days. No, he wasn't doing the 21-day Daniel fast. I could tell you that. He wasn't eating for 40 days. So he fasts for 40 days. At the end of that 40 days, it says he was weak 
and hungry, and the devil came to him and tempted him three times. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If there was ever a time for someone to be disciplined, it was at that moment. It was at that moment. The devil comes to him and tempts him three times. Every single time Jesus was tempted by the devil, no matter how extravagant the temptation was, he replied like this, it is already written. Do you know how you get to the place where you could say it is already written if you have read where it was already written? Jesus it, the, the gospel say he was led into the wilderness by the spirit. He's fasted for 40 days. He's disciplined his body for 40 days and prayed for 40 days. He knew the word of God. He had recited the word of God, rehearsed the word of God, memorized the word of God. He had prayed to the father 40 days and 40 nights. And then he's tempted. And the reason he overcomes the temptation was the discipline before that. That's how he starts out his public ministry. He doesn't start it out with some big, big audience and everybody clapping and cheering because he's such a remarkable speaker. No, he starts it in discipline saying, I will make this body do what I want it to do. I'm not going to be overcome by passion. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be ruled by food or something natural. This body will be in submission. And he says, he prayed constant communication with the father. Paul later on says, be, be, be in prayer, be a constant mindset of prayer. Why would Paul say that? Because that's what Jesus modeled. Jesus had disciplined himself. Jesus says in one, in one moment, I only say what I hear the father say and I only do what I see the father do. He disciplined himself. You want significance in your life? It doesn't start on the stage. It doesn't start in the crowd. It doesn't start with a million followers. It doesn't start there. It starts over here with discipline. It starts over here going, I'm not just going to do whatever feels good. I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. You'd think we'd know by now if you do what everybody else is doing, you end up like everybody else. The most significant man to ever walk the planet started out with discipline. I won't eat for 40 days. And then when the devil tempts me, I'll recite the very words of God back to him. And so we're sitting here today trying to figure out how to make it. Well, if I just got this and I just got that and I could just do what I want and I didn't have this responsibility and I could just, if if they just let me do what felt good. The devil has duped the church into thinking that when we feel good, we're close to God. And the truth of the matter is, is we're closest to God when we're choosing him and being disciplined in our lives. So I'm asking you, maybe you start out the fast and you're just trying to so focused on the food. I'm asking you today, man, spend some time in God's word this week. Say no to a desire in your life. Say no to a passion. Maybe don't pick your phone up and look at that page. Maybe, maybe don't entice that thought. Maybe discipline yourself a little bit more this week and watch your spirit be drawn close to God when you do it. Take that thought captive. Don't let it run wild in your mind. Because discipline leads to godliness. And I'm telling you right now, more than anything I've ever promised you, godliness is worth it in this lifetime. It is beneficial to us today. 
Can we just lift him up? Come on, could you lift his name up today? Could you make a commitment to God today? Maybe you've been doing the fast for a week and it's brand new and, and, you're, and you're just cloud, cloudy headed. You don't know what's going on. Uh, trust me, those things will pass. Start to lean into him this week. Start to discipline your mind, discipline your body. Start to be in control of what you think about. God, we commit this to you. We want to be close to you today, Lord. It's not, a, it's not an issue of you being far away from us. You're with us. Lord, we want to know you differently. We want to know you deeper. And so we, we're making this commitment to, to rein ourselves in, to discipline ourselves with the power that you've put in us. You've made us overcomers, Lord, and we thank you for that. We give you honor and praise, Lord. We want our lives to praise you. Jesus' name.